Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian. I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, and other listeners with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years, and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics, while some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation, and other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of being a teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, just visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. This is Karen Fabian, and I am your host. Welcome to the podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. In a minute, I'm going to introduce you to a yoga teacher and colleague, from Canada, and her name is Erin. And Erin is going to share her story. But before I get to that, I wanted to just take a minute because I'm recording this about a week out before my live event called the Urban Wellness Saturday. And I wanna make sure that any of my listeners in or near or those who can get to Boston easily, or even if it's a little bit of a, of a trip, it will be well worth it because this wellness event that I am hosting on Saturday, October 5th is going to be a full day of fun, of inspiration, of exercise, of eating healthy, of motivation. And I know you're going to leave feeling really, really good. So let me just tell you briefly, if you've heard this before, I apologize. I am super excited to share it. And I really want all of you out there to know that this is an opportunity for you beyond just yoga. I know, of course, you know, we're here on this podcast talking about yoga, but there is so much to health and wellness these days and so much information that's out there. And I really wanted a way, a format to share so many different aspects of wellness with you. So in this full day, you're going to experience three different wellness sessions, a yoga class taught by me, a personal training or a fitness session taught by my personal trainer, Gary, who I love, and a meditation session and teaching uh, session taught by uh, Zenat Potia, and she is a meditation teacher at the Cambridge Insight Center. So this is uh, really a premier center in the country completely dedicated to teaching people the art and the science behind meditation and skill. And then throughout the day, there will be expert speakers on nutrition and lifestyle medicine and an inspirational speaker at the end of the day who competed and completed the World Marathon Challenge, which is running seven marathons in seven days on seven different continents. 
And if you're hearing that and thinking, why would I want to listen to that talk? I don't plan on doing that. Know that Renee's story is going to not only touch you, it's going to inspire you to take on whatever challenges in your life you may be on the fence about. So throughout the day, I've enlisted some of Boston's best companies who are all about um, healthy food, sustainable food, food that's really mindful. So we're going to be having lunch from Clower, Flower, Clover Food Lab. We're going to have snacks from Flower Bakery in the morning. Dosha Bars will be there sharing samples of their Ayurvedic-based energy bar. And then 88 Acres will be there at the end of the day for our post-workout snack. And their company is entirely based on the idea of seeds being part of your nutrition. So seed butters, seed bars, and this is you know, completely vegan and all natural and takes into account a lot of different allergies that people have. So they will be there to not only share their treats, uh, their snacks, but also tell us a little bit about the genesis behind that company and what inspired them to start it. So to sign up for the event, you're going to just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the link is right on the homepage. But since you're a podcast listener, you're going to get a discount. I'm not going to tell you how much. All you need to do is email me, karen at barebonesyoga.com, and I'll tell you about the discount and, uh, and share that with you, how you get access to that. So that's the Urban Wellness Saturday, and that's on Saturday, October 5th, which is a week from uh, tomorrow, because I'm recording this on the 27th of September. So do not wait to make a decision about this really amazing event. I would love to see you. I would love to have you experience all that this day is about. So let's get on with today's episode. All right, everybody. Hello, my name is Karen Fabian and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host and this is episode 38. So today I am really lucky because I get to interview a colleague yoga teacher, which I occasionally do here on the podcast and I love doing it. So today you're going to meet Erin Alexander, who is a yoga teacher in Manitoba, Canada. And for most of you listeners, you probably have heard me say I'm in Boston. So I always love getting to meet people in different parts of the world. And Erin um, and I connected, I'm going to let her tell her story, of course. I wanted to just give the listeners um, just a sense of how we connected. And I had posted about a month ago a post that was really inspired by uh, some conversations I had had at a teacher training where I had gone to teach the anatomy portion of a 200-hour training. And a number of the teachers there, uh, and the whole group was about two weeks out from graduating, or maybe a month, and we started to have a conversation about not waiting to start teaching when you graduate from teacher training. And I know this is a somewhat common scenario that teachers graduate from their 200-hour program, and then they're really nervous to start teaching. And I get it. It's very, very common. And so I was inspired that day to post something about it and to really encourage people to, you know, really get on it and really start teaching as soon as you can 
from graduating because there is just so much that can prevent us from taking that first step. So Erin had commented on that post and she had shared from the heart that she could really relate to that feeling. And that was how we connected. And I invited her to come on the podcast because I know her perspective is going to resonate with a lot of my listeners. And just um, as, as we go into the conversation today, just get ready because I think a lot of what she shares is, um, it, is content that's going to connect with a lot of you. So Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank, thank you for having me. Sure. So I want to also um, just thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I know you've got a tight schedule, so we're going to really, you know, kind of dive right in so that you can get back to it. Erin, um, why don't you, I've told the listeners, of course, you're in Canada. Why don't you share a little bit about what inspired you to start teaching? Uh, well, I have been doing my own practice since my early 20s. I'm in my early 40s now. And I've kind of gone on and off the mat. And um, I just really wanted to, I got back on the mat and really wanted to bring that and teach other people um, the benefits of yoga. And uh, I was just really inspired to, um, I'm a counselor, um, as my profession. Okay. And so we do, I do a lot of talking for my work and <laughs> I wanted to offer people, um, just something else that they can do and something, another way to process their stories by moving their bodies and connecting and yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a beautiful way to think about it. And I bet, you know, a lot of what you do for your profession you bring into your teaching in a lot of ways. Yeah, I try. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even just that feeling of, even though you're not counseling people, you're still looking to make an impact, like you say, through the movement. And I would imagine being a counselor requires that you really be able to tap into having compassion for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Just that, holding space for people. Right. Right. And that can be such a huge part of teaching because people come to the mat with all their stuff and it sometimes comes out in lots of interesting ways that I know for myself as a teacher, sometimes can trigger me into going into a reaction and I need to tap into that compassion. Have you ever had that experience? Um, not yet, not in teaching, no, um, but I'm new, so I'm sure it will come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll bet you're going to probably really tap into your counseling tools uh, <clears throat> as, you're, as you're teaching. So tell us a little bit about the style of yoga you teach, maybe a little bit about when you finished your training um, to be a teacher. Okay. Um, I finished um, my first 200-hour training in April of this year. Okay. Um, I and I started just teaching um, over the summer for my neighbors. I was trying to build up my confidence. And um, so Hatha, um, uh, I just 
started teaching some vinyasa, flow, and restorative. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm actually in the midst of my second 200-hour teacher training. Okay. And what um, was the catalyst to you? Is it with the same studio or did you want to do a different studio or teacher? What was the catalyst there to doing that? Um, I did a different, I'm doing a different one, not with the same um, company that I did my first training with. Okay. Um, I mostly because I did confidence. I didn't come out of my first 200 hour feeling like I could teach effectively and so I live in a rural community and nothing ever happens close to me yeah so a training came up that was five minutes away and I jumped at it I was like I need this I want this yeah so it just worked out yeah so what what do you feel like when you say you lacked you felt like you lacked the confidence so when you saw this other training you figured you would jump at it so did you feel like there was like a knowledge gap that another training would fill and that would give you more confidence? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So knowledge around, um, knowledge around what? Mostly, uh, sequencing. Okay. Um, just, yeah, mostly around sequencing. Okay. So let's just kind of play a little game here. So if, if that training or the, pro, or the prior training gave you a sequence written down and an audio and a video, and you took, I don't know, a week or two to completely learn that and use that as your sequence, for the first year of your teaching, do you feel that that would give you the confidence that would be the missing link? Or do you think it's something else? Yes. Oh, you do? I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a resounding yes. Because I just felt like, um, yeah, we weren't given a sequence. Okay. Uh, we were asked to create our own sequence. Okay. Which were difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the most creative cat in town. Yeah. And so <laughs> I need, I need a lot of like hand holding. I feel like when it comes to sequencing. So having a sequence that I could have used, I could have tweaked once I started learning more yeah. would have been really beneficial. So, so now that you're enrolled in this other 200 hour program, but we've uncovered, it seems, what the missing link was. Do you feel like you're now investing in kind of another complete program when really all you needed was one thing? Um, I'm happy that I'm taking this second training. I'm learning a lot yeah. of different things that I learned the first time. Yep. Yeah. And she's, she's going to give us a sequence. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. No, I'm happy I, about that. Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, believe me, I am always one for um, additional training and learning. It's just interesting to me because number one, I've heard from other teachers what you're talking about, which is there, 
they're in 200 hour trainings or they just completed one and they weren't given a sequence to teach. They were left to create their own. And so that I've definitely heard before. Um, okay. And then this other idea of being in constant learning is also something I hear from teachers as a way to really avoid teaching and avoid what you mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head, the issue of not having confidence. And so I guess that's something that I would love to talk about just a little bit more, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, I mean, I think for yourself, it sounds like there is in your mind a really specific thing that would give you confidence. This idea of having a sequence, having some time to really nail it in your own practice, you know, doing it yourself and maybe saying it, maybe having somebody videotape you just doing a mock class, just kind of getting it in your, in your muscle memory, so to speak. Um, so that's great. I mean, the fact that you're really able to identify here's the missing link. Um, but you did yeah. say you were teaching already. And I think it's so great that you took the initiative to teach some of your friends and neighbors. Um, that's a great place to start. So tell us about that. How do you remember your first time teaching and how that was? I do. I was sick to my stomach. <laughs> I was so nervous. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I wanted to be able to um, teach effectively and, and I, I was worried I was going to talk too much or talk too little or not cue properly or I was just overthinking every single bit of it. Yeah. Um, so that's my memory of my first first class. How, um, how long ago was that? Uh, that was in July, I believe. Oh. And I just had my second class in the community and a community center in my town. Okay. So I'm now teaching other community members. I'm just starting. And again, I'm nervous. I'm yeah worried about am I talking too much am I talking too little am I cueing them properly yep am I yeah yeah alignment like I just I'm overthinking everything yep yep so I mean those are all completely natural feelings and you know maybe there's something else in your life that you've learned I know there must be hundreds of things where you can relate that feeling of nerves to that other thing that you eventually got over. I think the yeah. thing that's so cool is that even though you had those feelings, you did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm stubborn like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, you know, I can say from my own teaching experience um, is, is really, you know, we could pro probably end this conversation right now because that's really the only thing. It's, it's the, it's the willingness to do something, even when you feel nervous to, and just to push through that nervousness. And, you know, of course, 
sometimes nerves can be, and you know, I'm sure from your counseling people, can be paralyzing for folks and can certainly be at a level of, of clinical concern. So I'm not saying that it doesn't sometimes get to that point. Um, although right. for, a, for a lot of teachers, it's this natural feeling of nervousness, you know, kind of the stress hormones coursing through the veins at a little bit of a higher rate, which, you know, gives us that alertness um, to tackle whatever it is, a presentation, you know, teaching a yoga class, speaking in front of a large group, whatever, whatever it is. So congratulations, you pushed through it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And so what, what um, got you to, considering that you did feel nervous, agree to taking on other classes? Um, I just, I felt like I, like practice, 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 right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's what helps. And that's what's gotten me through other situations in my life. And I really took this for training for a reason to bring it to people yeah. and be able to teach them. So I felt like I wasn't going to back out and, yeah. and not do it. I want to give it a really good try. Yeah. Yeah. So when you kind of see your teaching going forward, what kinds of things do you want to do with your teaching? Do you see it in a particular setting? Do you want to grow the community center classes that you currently have? Like, do you have kind of a vision for the maybe near term, how, how you see this all being shared with people? Um, well, for now, I think it's just um, doing my weekly classes at the community center and um, like I have a, I do a slow flow class and a restorative class. Yeah. So I just want to build on that mm -hmm. and, and you know, I'm not the only teacher in town, so yeah. there already is a, a community of yogis, so to speak, that um, that embrace the practice. Okay. So just uh, building trust with people okay. yeah. and having them want to come to my classes yeah. and, tr and trust me as a teacher, I think just that's my main goal. Yeah. Now, do you find you know, sometimes when I talk to people in different parts of the country or in Canada or even in different countries, the yoga community from the perspective of a student is, can be really different. There can be a community where there's lots of yoga studios and people are really well practiced. There can be communities where there's only a couple of yoga studios and people really don't know a lot about yoga and then lots in between. How would you describe where you are? I think it's somewhere in between. Okay. Um, people, a lot of people just trying it first time and learning, um, you know, a lot of beginners. Yeah. Um, but it has been a community for a while. So there's also that um, crew of people who have been practicing for a number of years. Mm -hmm. So it's a mix. Right. So how does that, make you feel as a teacher going into classes where there's a mix of people, some more experienced and then people that are raw beginners? 
Well, it's terrifying because I don't want to make it too simple and I don't want to make it too hard. Yeah. So I, yeah, I kind of was leading you with that question because I figured that was what you were going to (laughs) say. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really common, um, that's a really common scenario. I mean, I can certainly say where I am in Boston, there's probably a yoga studio every block, if not, well, maybe not literally every block, but every part of Boston in terms of like the communities of Boston, the Back Bay or the South End or these little communities, there's got to be at least four or five yoga studios per community. So when you're teaching, regardless of where you're teaching, you're going to get a really broad range of experience levels. So I can totally relate to having that as the challenge. Um, I'll just relate to you a little story that kind of touches on, you know, I really appreciate your honesty and saying you're terrified about that idea. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because I think that that really is for newer teachers, exactly how they feel, but not many people would have the guts to admit it. So thank you for that. (laughs) You know, I've been teaching almost 16, 17 years at this point. And just recently I had a woman who I'd never seen before in my class and it was a small class. And when I began teaching and I'm pretty methodical because I focus on anatomy she was doing everything at like two or three times the pace of how I was presenting it. So it was very distracting for me and for the people around her because she was going so much faster. And I had had a conversation with the woman next to her prior to class. And she literally was just coming back to yoga after four years off because of a back injury. So I knew that about that person. The woman didn't know it, of course. So it was doubly distracting for everyone. And about probably about 10 minutes into class, she went behind her mat where her bag was and she took out her cell phone and she started doing something on her phone. And so I had everybody in downward dog and I went over to her and I just bent down and I whispered, I'm sorry, we don't allow phones in class for use. Like maybe you could step out into the hallway. And she looked at me really confused. And she said, is this a beginner class? I'm looking on the schedule here trying to. So in that moment, and I just said, nope. And in that moment, it was really clear to me that one, she had never been to my class, which I knew because I didn't recognize Mm her. And two, she was in applying from the way I was teaching that it was a beginner class and she was looking for something more challenging. And so Mm. I share that story because this was literally happening (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I was teaching. It wasn't like we were having this conversation outside the studio in the hallway before I went in. So, you know, the, and in my head, what I did at that point was I just kind of repeated a mantra that I've used in the past for those scenarios, which is, I don't need to be the teacher for everybody. Yeah. Which just immediately diffuses in my body, any tension I feel and any sense of trying to be right or trying to prove anything or, and 
it was something I learned from, from my original teacher, Baron Baptiste, um, and an exchange he had had with someone who challenged his way of teaching. And I found it to be so great for mm -hmm. those scenarios. Now, of course, there are literal things you can do, like specific things you can do to make sequencing accessible for everybody. But the bottom line is, you know, I kind of feel like finding a, a yoga teacher you like is like finding an outfit when you go shopping or a pair of jeans you like. You know, you try on a couple and you see what you think. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good mantra. I like that. I, I certainly use that in my, in my counsel, in my job as a counselor. I'm not the counselor for everyone. Right. Um, so I will totally take that into my yoga teaching life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now tell me a little bit about, you know, because you are beginning to kind of assimilate all you've learned in your first training and you're learning in your second training. How are you finding it to translate what you're learning into the cues that you give? Is that um, are you finding like the word finding is hard? Are you finding the anatomy aspect hard to bring in? Like, how is that all that whole translation of, okay, so I've learned all this information and now I'm standing up in front of people. What am I going to say? Yeah, I struggle with that. I struggle with, um, um, again, like, am I talking too much? Am I talking too little? Did are they sick of me saying the same damn thing a hundred times? Right. Um, Cause you know, you get your little things that you repeat over and over, like hug, hug to midline and right. draw your tailbone down. And I'm like, oh, am I saying that for every pose? Like, oh my God, I can't even stand listening to myself talk. So I'm worried I'm, I'm just annoying them. So right. yeah, struggling with that for sure. The cueing and um, yeah, just think knowing if I'm saying things to keep them engaged and understand how their body's working in the pose. Yeah. Or supposed to be working in the pose. Yeah. So when you were in your first training, did you guys do practice teaching where you had an opportunity? I'm sure you did. To test things out. Erin, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 I felt like I wanted more of that. Yeah. Um, we did do it. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that is an, again, a real common, um, common challenge for teachers is coming up with the words to say, um, and, and knowing how to, articulated in a way that isn't saying the same thing all the time. When you mentioned some of those cues about drawing to the midline and the tailbone, were, are those cues a part of all the poses you teach, a lot of the poses you teach, or you just pick those out because those are common things that you say? I just pick them out because they're common things that I say in standing poses particularly, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, got it. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, those, those are definitely part of, you know, teaching from alignment and anatomy. Um, you know, another thing that comes to mind is, is just this idea that, you know, even if you have the same people in class all the time, I mean, you know, from your own practice, every time you come onto the mat, things can be really different. And sometimes you can hear the same thing a second or third time. And finally it hits you. Have you ever had that experience in your body? Yes. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So I, I always kind of think that too, when I'm feeling like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, I'm like, yeah, but when I'm on the mat, I don't, I don't really remember feeling it like, oh, I'm hearing the same thing again. Sometimes it just hits me finally. Yeah, that's very true. That's a very good point. So what, um, what kind of support do you feel like you have for your teaching? Like right now you're in training in the second training. So when you're done with this training, how will you find support for questions you have when, and this is, again, I, I kind of feel like a potential gap for a lot of teachers is they're done with their trainings and then they're kind of out there. So how do you get support for teaching related questions? Um, the, our, for my first teachers from my first training are very open to questions. Yeah. So I have, uh, I have used, utilized them and I am very confident that my second, um, teacher trainer will also be willing to have questions post training. That's great. So I feel like I have good support. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. And tell me about, are you finding since you're in training, plus you're working a full-time job, are you able to find time to practice yourself? Not recently, no, Um, because our training is a lot of practicing yoga. So I'm probably doing um, probably seven hours a weekend plus when then I'm teaching. So I haven't had a lot of time to just get on my mat in my house and do my own thing. (laughs) Yeah. Although I feel like the practicing you're doing as part of the second 200 hour training you're in, that definitely counts. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm learning so much just by doing that. Like, like it's a lot of practicing and I'm exhausted, but it's worth it. Yeah. So what aspect of teaching at this early stage do you most enjoy? I think I really enjoy teaching pranayama and um, just teaching people how to connect to their breath mm-hmm. and connect to their bodies. Yep. I love doing that. I, yeah, when I'm, that's, what I remember when when all else is failing me and I feel like I'm losing it I always come back to that like I really want to bring this to people teach them how to calm teach them how to breathe connect yeah yep so it's interesting when you were just describing that because it sounds like you enjoy teaching pranayama the breathing aspect of the practice and you kind of use that as your go-to 
teaching technique or your go-to topic when you find yourself getting anxious when you're teaching? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. How, how do you do that? Like if you're in the middle of a sequence and you start to get nervous for whatever reason, if some, does something in your head go like, oh, I should focus them on the breath and it also calms you? And how do you do that? Yeah, I just bring them back to the breath. I just, and then while I'm doing that, I'm bringing myself back to the breath. Because <laughs> that, that probably means I haven't taken a full breath. Yeah. So how do you bring them back to the breath? What do you, what do you do? I just remind them to, to breathe. Because usually when I'm nervous, like that's one of the issues with my teaching is I tend, what I'm struggling with is I tend to go too fast yeah. because I'm nervous. Yeah. So I'm moving through poses way too fast. So I really need to come back to that. I need to work on that more. Yeah. Um, but I will just slow down mm -hmm. and just say, okay, let's, let's breathe. Let's come back to the breath. Let's take a few breaths here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I ground have you ever um used counting in your teaching to keep them and you in a pose without rushing does that feel like something that would feel unnatural to you or possible it you? does it does feel unnatural to me but i know i need to do it yeah i mean i guess in my i've I've done it in the past. I don't really use counting anymore, but I definitely remember a, a time when I, you know, I'd say, okay, so let's come into warrior one, you know, extend your arms out, bend your front knee. And I want you to just focus on your breath. So let's hold this for one, two, three. Okay. Let's move down to plank, you know, however I'm saying it. Um, right. I don't really do that anymore. I just throw it out there as a possibility if you feel like your tendency is to rush them. Yeah, no, that's good. I know that that's something I should, that I could um, incorporate into my teaching that would help me slow down. Yeah. The other idea I'll just throw out as well is instead of literally counting, Sometimes you can just say, all right, so let's come into downward dog. I want you to count five breaths on your own. And then you just leave them in silence, but you count five breaths of your own. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. You get the effect of the pranayama on your nervous system and you build in the silence for them, which it kind of sounds like your assessment of yourself is that you talk too much. So maybe that would be an interesting technique to allow more silence and to give them more time in a pose and to give you time to calm yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> great idea. Yeah. yeah an idea. So, um, so you said you really like teaching the pranayama part of, of the practice have students. I mean, I know you're starting out have students, asked you questions before or after class? Has anybody shared anything about an injury they have and they want your help in 
accommodating for that as they practice? Um, I have one lady that comes to my class who has very bad wrists. Okay. And so that's always, that's always a concern for her. Yeah. Um, so we talk about that and I'm, I'm always, I'm not always sure I'm doing, I'm doing the best that I can for her, but trying to give her modifications and um, she has, has a chair beside her now yeah. to help stabilize her because her balance is a little off too. So just yeah. incorporating some different things to help her. So that's the main one so far. Yeah. So how does that, how do you feel about people asking you questions in general? Do you feel ready to answer or? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> not really. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. So what's going to happen if someone asks you a question? I'm going to, well, I'm a very honest person, so I'm probably just going to say, I honestly don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to reach out to my mentors and research it and find out and come back to you and Absolutely. we'll figure it out. Yeah. It's a great way to build a relationship with that person and, you know, and just say, Hey, you know what? I'm not hundred percent sure. Just what you said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. And, um, will you be in class next Friday and we can talk about it. And it's a good yeah. way to get them to come back and to get them to see you as a, as a real live resource. And, you know, we're not expected to have all the answers. Um, you know, I think as you get your feet wet more and more, you'll just gain the experience and, you know, it'll, it'll come over time. The neat thing about questions is a lot of times it gives you the reason to go look something up, or have a conversation and, you know, then you have that in your memory bank for the long exactly time. yeah 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 exactly so in the last few minutes here um what do you kind of what do you see your impact or what do you want your impact to be as a teacher if you kind of you know you went into this you said because you knew the benefits of yoga for yourself and you wanted to share that with other people how do you i mean especially with your job as a counselor i mean you're making impact in deep ways with people, you know, I don't know why they're seeking you out, but just the general being a counselor is on the helping side of things, you know, versus like finance or something like that, which is obviously mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, so just sh share a little bit about where, how do you want to make an impact on people? Well, um, like I said, um, I want, people to just as just like they trust me to come with their and I'm not necessarily serving the exact same people but I'm just talking in general terms people who trust me to come and talk about their personal issues I want people to trust me to come and help them on the mat whether it be to learn how to breathe whether it be to learn how to move connect all of the above yeah, um, I want that same connection with people because I feel like I have a really good connection with people in my other world. Yeah. So I want that same thing for my yoga world. Yeah. And it's kind of neat because when you see somebody in counseling, you see them repetitively 
over some period of time. And yeah, it's really great when you can build that relationship with students. I mean, here in Boston, I think that's one of the most challenging things because there are so many studios. I feel we've kind of lost in, in a lot of ways that, that connection to students because they do tend, a lot of people tend to go from studio to studio. Um, in your area, if there aren't a lot of studios, you'll probably have a great opportunity to build long-standing relationships with people. Yeah, I hope so. And I love that description of that woman with the chair. Um, you know, I just think that just is such a great illustration of yoga being for everybody, that you could be teaching a class and somebody has a chair for balance and other people don't, and yet they're all in the same room. Yeah. You know, that, that is just beautiful. Yeah, it's worked out well. Yeah, that's great. I mean, great for her, great for other people to see that, hey, we're all doing yoga and sometimes people need a little additional pool. Yeah. Um, well, Erin, thank you so much for taking the time today to do it. I know you're kind of carving this out of your day here, so I really appreciate it. And I know a lot of what you shared, um, if not all of it, is really going to touch people, especially teachers who are just starting out. And thank you for your honesty and willingness to, to really share how you feel. Thank you so much for having me. All right, great. Well, good luck with everything, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Okay, for sure. Thanks, Karen. Bye, Erin. Bye. All right, everybody. Well, you just heard Erin Alexander's story, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really, really, as I said, appreciate her honesty in sharing exactly how she feels. And I hope that this episode touched you in some way, and maybe you learned a little bit about how to face some of those challenges when you're just starting out in teaching. And even when you've been teaching for a while, we're not out of the woods when it comes to feeling nervous and feeling like we're saying the same things over and over again. So I hope this episode in some ways has uh, helped you as you face some of the challenges that are common when we are teaching yoga. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. I especially want to thank all of you listeners who have commented, who have sent me emails, who have written reviews on iTunes. I really love hearing from you. So if any of these episodes has touched you in some way or has helped you realize something, or you're just learning more about the practice of teaching yoga, the practice of practicing yoga, I would love to hear from you. So send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com, or better yet, comment on iTunes and uh, put a review there, which helps get the word out about the podcast. And don't forget, you heard me talk about the Urban Wellness Saturday, my wellness event coming up this week, Saturday, October 5th. And you get a discount as a podcast listener. And all you need to do to find out what that discount is, and it's not a little discount, it's a big discount, uh, just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. I would love to see you at this event, Saturday, October 5th, Urban Wellness Saturday. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and I'll see you on the next episode.